All right, hello and welcome everyone to another Chat and Learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella Marie and as always, super excited to roll into this next hour with you all. Actually, we were just on fire uh, chatting behind the scenes um, just a few seconds ago with our live callers and with our guest speakers. So with that said, I don't wanna take up too much time uh, uh, doing the introduction, but I do wanna go over some quick housekeeping rules so that everyone feels comfortable and confident in this next hour. Um, please participate. I already see that we've got folks turning their cameras on. I appreciate you I see you thank you so much we believe in visibility and of course you know the world is on fire these days so you know the more that we can do to support each other and to network with authenticity and transparency the better uh, we will be individually and hopefully that will have a trickle effect into the world so turn your cameras on if you feel called to do so if you haven't showered doesn't matter we can't smell you that's the beauty of this virtual community thing here that's happening uh, put your virtual backgrounds on if your house is a mess we won't judge uh, feel free to hop off of mute whenever Oh, someone wrote their hair is a mess. Great, doesn't matter. You know, my hair is a mess too, but the beautiful thing about an Afro is that you can't tell. <laughs> So um, with that said, I've muted everyone about, uh, I've muted everyone upon entrance, uh, but I would love to hear from you throughout this hour. So come off of mute whenever you want to share your voice, dream you had last night, you know, a reflection on what we're talking about today. I can enact, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'd love to hear from you. So come off mute whenever you want to share your voice. Um, also, let's uh, continue to write in the chat box. The chat box is already lighting up. So feel free to continue to use the chat box uh, whenever you want to share your voice. Uh, if you want to be kept anonymous, if you have any sensitive information, feel free to find me in the chat box under Mariella Marie. You can write to me anonymously uh, and I will keep you anonymous and flag you to our guest speaker so that she can approach your question or your reflection there. Um, this is being recorded. So if you do hop off of mute, you will be featured in our live recording. Uh, and then this is my chance to say that, you know, I know we live in a world where everyone is multitasking, but I invite you to be present, especially because we're talking about a really, really juicy topic here that I know that you're gonna, you know, find uh, some gems to take home and to chew on uh, food for thought later. So please be present with us and then you can rewatch this video later on Power to Fly and you can take notes vigorously there. Um, the last thing that I'll say is that we'd love for you to follow us on socials and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can keep up with all the great chats we've got in store. Now I'm going to pass the mic to our awesome guest speaker, Kathleen, who I had the privilege of speaking to offline, uh, and I say offline without recording, we were behind the scenes. And I'm excited to continue to connect with her when we finish this chat because, wow, she's she's a super interesting being. Uh, and I'm not going to read what's on the screen here. I'm going to pass the mic to Kathleen. Uh, let us know a little bit about yourself, how you came to learn about Power to Fly, and what you're excited to share with us today. That is, that was, that was great. Thank you. Amazing energy. And thank you for the introduction. And I'm actually, so this is actually my LinkedIn bio. It's like my speaker bio. You guys can read this online. So I'm actually just going to have you click to the next slide if that's okay. No one wants to read my, my bio. So I'm going to explain who I am without you having to read many words at all. And in fact, you've got some pictures of me in high school. So everyone loves that. A little bit of a throwback Monday. Uh, so hi, everyone. I'm Kathleen Hamilton. Right now, uh, I am the head of product at Genius U, which is an entrepreneur education platform online. Uh, and I am... I would suppose a global citizen. I cringe when people use that word, but I don't really know another word for it. <laughs> so, so if my accent is confusing, it's because I am confused. Uh, so I am originally, I was born in the UK. And when I was very young, my parents moved overseas. So I actually grew up in Bali in Indonesia, which many people have heard of <laughs> Bali at this point, very like eat, pray, love. Uh, and in fact, I was living there just before eat, pray, love happened. <laughs> so, so I've seen, I saw the change growing up. I went to middle school and high school there. Uh, and growing up, I was always told 
that I could change the world. I don't know, like, I just did like a quick show of hands of those who are, who have video on. How many of you when you were growing up were told you could change the world? Very few, a few hands, right? I don't think it's something we get told enough, right? Which I suppose you can probably gather by the title of the talk. Also, please excuse any background noise. My cat really likes cardboard boxes. <laughs> and so she's in a cardboard box right now. Anyway, um, <clears throat> ripping it to shreds. So that's the background noise. Uh, so, so I was told growing up, that I could change the world. And this really is not, I don't think that it's uh, a common experience. I graduated from the Green School in Bali, which some of you might have heard of. For those of you that have not heard of the Green School in Bali, it is a bamboo cathedral uh, in the middle of the rainforest in, in uh, Gyanyar in Bali. It sits right by the Ayung River, which is the sacred river that runs through the island all the way from the volcanoes down to the sea. Uh, and it is based, it was founded in, I think it was 2008 or 2007 by a man named John Hardy, who built the school because he didn't want to send his daughters to the mainstream schooling system. So he had taken them out of school, he was homeschooling them, and then he built the green school for them. So when it first started, there were like 50 kids, 60 kids, and there were all these like ragtag, shoeless, dreadlocked kids out in the jungle in Bali. And I joined in its second year. So by this point, they still weren't wearing shoes, but they were wearing shirts. Uh, and basically the school grew as the kids grew. So I joined in ninth, in ninth grade. For those of you in the US, I think that's junior year. No, that's before that. Anyway, sophomore year um, of, of high school. And I was there until I graduated. So I was part of the very first graduating class. And the foundations of Green School were built on uh, the Waldorf and Steiner curriculum, which are like alternative holistic schooling methods. We were out, I remember walking cows at lunchtime. We would take the cows for a walk around the football field. You know, we built our own entire three-story building out of bamboo. I don't know who trusted like teenagers to stand on scaffolding, but sure enough, we were up there like leashed to poles with ropes. Um, and we had classes all the way from critical thinking through to sustainability studies, through to, you know, critical race theory, through to, you know, we, we were taught about not just all the problems in the world, but also what was possible in order to solve them. And we were told right at the beginning that it was our responsibility to do something about it. Now that's like a scary thing to take on, right? And I didn't really realize until I left the green school that the rest of the world wasn't like that. And there were a lot more problems than I was prepared for. Um, so I went on and I went to art school and I ended up leaving art school in San Francisco to then study sociology in Oregon. So I left Bali to go to the US. I have no roots in the US. It was just the furthest away I could get from my parents, whom I love dearly, but was seeking independence from as any good teenager does. Um, and post, post school, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I had been raised on a paradise island. I was set very high expectations for myself. I graduated from university and realized that I was a very small fish in a very, very, very big pond. Um, so I did what any good teenager does and I went to a music festival. Uh, and I found out <laughs> about this thing called Burning Man. <laughs> and some of you will have heard of Burning Man. Now it's been very much in the mainstream media. So again, like another thing that, that is, uh, I'm not trying to say I'm hipster, but <laughs> I went there before it was cool. No, not really. I was definitely in the, in the cool kids crowd when I went, um, right, right when it was getting popular. And so I went to Burning Man in my final year of university. And I said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with myself after college, but Burning Man was cool. <laughs> and art is going to change the world. And so I said, what am I going to do? I need to get a job at Burning Man. 
Uh, and so I talked to my dad and I was like, what do you think? What's the best idea? He's like, oh, actually I know a guy who knows a guy. He's on the board of Airbnb. He knows this dude who like one time worked for Burning Man. And I was like, okay. So I sent an email to this guy who didn't know me. And I said, look, you don't know who I am, but uh, I really want to work for Burning Man. And I'm graduating from school soon. And I'm just wondering if there's anyone you can put me in touch with who I should speak to. Sure enough, a handful of emails and confused folks later, I ended up speaking to the head of communications at Burning Man, uh, who offered to give me a volunteer position. So I moved back to San Francisco after college. I lived in an intentional community, as you do in San Francisco, and I lived out my Burning Man dreams, and I worked at Burning Man HQ for a year uh, before I realized it's actually a lot more bureaucratic behind the scenes than you would think, uh, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I started learning how to build communities and went on to actually work for Genius U, which is a tech platform. Uh, as I mentioned, and I've been there now for nearly four years, which ages me a bit. So you all know how old I am now. But um, but I went on to work in tech, which, as you can see by my uh, various eclectic pictures and my very brief bio, I never had any background in. But now I lead a massive development team who builds tech products around the world, and I'm connected to an entire network of entrepreneurs um, who in some regards, I grew up around because actually it so happens that my father is the founder of the company, um, which like ties really well into one of the questions that I saw in the chat. So I'm excited to get into that later. Um, I definitely have a lot of vulnerabilities around that that I'm happy to share. Uh, but that's kind of my bio and it's a bit more exciting than my LinkedIn bio. So I hope you don't mind that I went on a bit of a tangent uh, and you've got some photos for context. <laughs> Wow, fascinating. Thank you so much, Kathleen. So inspiring. And feel free to, you know, share more about your journey as we go through this round of questions uh, that folks have submitted offline. Again, I just want to shout out that we're a pretty global community right now. And I love that you, you're like, I cringe when I say I'm a global, global citizen. Actually, um, I, I, I get what you mean, but it's also pretty cool. Um, and I think that if we could try to achieve becoming with that kind of global citizen mindset, then we could really tackle a lot of problems here uh, on earth. So, and, you know, especially with technology. So, so fascinating your story. Thank you for sharing that. You all have submitted some great questions offline. We're going to take your questions one by one. Um, for example, starting with this question, I want to shout out so that Kathleen can keep in mind and all of our live callers. Again, we're a pretty global community calling right now. I'm originally from California, but I've been living in Argentina since 2012. Kathleen is a global citizen, as you've heard, she's in Lisbon right now. We've got Berlin representing, New York representing, uh, Ontario, Canada representing Costa Rica. We've got Buenos Aires. Uh, if you're just joining us, Colorado, uh, if you're just joining us, go ahead and write uh, in the chat box. Let us know where you're calling from so we can keep that in mind uh, and so that Kathleen can really dive in on, on these questions that you all submitted. So if you see your question come up on the screen, feel free to chime in. If this is not your question, you still want to chime in, chime in. Let's let's really have fun. Let's really, you know, make this hour count um, that we, all, we already have like 45 minutes left. So, you know, feel free to chime in. We want to hear from you. Let's start with this first question, Kathleen. People that I love and trust can tell me all day that I'm talented and worthy, and yet I don't believe them. What's your advice on getting past the negative self-talk and building my self-confidence? Ah... All right, I'm gonna come at this from two angles. <laughs> and the first one is like the really loving, like I'm your big sister in this moment angle, okay? Which is that it's not easy, right? It's not easy to be 100% all the time, to be confident in yourself all of the time. 
often it's curated, like people work really hard, right, to be confident regularly um, and and to uh, to feel talented and worthy. But on the other hand, like you are innately worthy, right? You exist. That's all. That's all that needs to happen for you to be worthy of being loved, of being, you know, treasured, of being, um, you know, you you are. So that's just how it is, right? It just already is like that. <laughs> so you don't need to try. Um, but the self-talk is really tough. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, um, there's so much information in the world now and so much comparison, right? Like you don't hear kids when they're running around on the playground, like talking about themselves negatively, unless they've been like fed that information, right? But like innately children, they are the most confident people on the whole planet, right? Like they run around and like rip their pants off in the street. Like we're not that confident, right? Because at some point we're taught that for, <laughs> sorry, cat, for whatever reason, this is the the perpetrator for anyone that's wondering <laughs> when, I, when I refer to the cat, please go over there. Um, Kids, kids don't care, right? And so at some point, something in your life has led to you feeling that you're not worthy, has led to you, you know, having this talk about yourself. And I think the comparison online is a huge element of that. I definitely feel for myself, like when I'm online a lot, it becomes really tough to like maintain my own self-confidence. That's the big sisterly side of me um, that wants you to know that you are worthy. Um, the other big sisterly side of me wants you to know that you're the only person that's suffering as a result of this. And so you need to stop it <laughs> right now. <laughs> stop that. You know, like the only person who is facing. And in fact, you know, I say that, but you not showing up and believing yourself to be worthy, you not, you know, showing up a hundred percent, you know, and, and you don't need to be a hundred percent confident all the time, right? You just need to be a hundred percent certain that you are worthy even if you don't feel it all the time, just know, just tell yourself that because it's going to, you know, you're on the one hand, the only person that's affected. And at the same time, everyone who interacts with you is affected. Everyone who loves you is affected because if, if you are not able to agree with them or believe them, or at least try to believe them every time, you're essentially telling them they're liars, <laughs> right? But they believe in you so much. Everyone that loves you believes in you. So those are my my two answers to that. I think it's really tough. And in terms of like building it over time, it's a constant practice, right? It's like every time that negative thought comes in, you have to have the other side of your brain come in and tell you it's not true. My practice for this is to actually talk to myself out loud, which I do regularly. There's like multiple Kathleen's that get involved in the conversation. <laughs> like we have fights sometimes, um, but I know there's, there's a core part of me that I trust and believe that tells me I am worthy. Um, and that tells me that no matter what that other voice is saying that's trying to sabotage me, like I know at the end of the day that like I'm worthy of love, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an amazing human being, like I talk myself up. It's really important. Stand in the mirror and just like say a bunch of good things at yourself, even if you don't believe them and do it all the time, you know, um, I think it's really important record yourself on your phone and like put it as your morning alarm, you know, just and do it even if it feels ridiculous, right? I don't know, Mariella, do you, like, what do you do? How do you, how do you get past the negative self-talk? I was going to say, you know, I love that look in the mirror, even if, if you don't believe it, because at least you'll get a good laugh, right? And that will just like loosen up some, some of the, the tension and stress and anxiety that the world is. I mean, there's so much mental distortion and stress 
like really at our fingertips these days. And so really, if you open up, if you open up the door, it's going to come in like a flood. And especially uh, I, I love I want to crack open a couple of things that you said um, when you're online a lot. You said that it really gets you like in that mode of like, you know, being having that negative self-talk. Um, one of my things to answer your question is I like I don't I don't have Instagram on my phone. Why? Because that on my phone I can plug in when I want or I can like re-download the app when I need to but I don't need to just be like all the time having that like you know uh self-comparison thing that just naturally happens or just like losing an hour of my time and then feeling like drained um and I also want to pick apart what you said about it being a practice because we have these like super quick fix remedies you know available at a, at you know your local drugstore you know if you don't don't feel good just because you don't feel fine do this press this button but for these huge isms that exist in our world racism sexism all these you know um negative self-talk there is no button to fix that so it takes practice and i love that you're you're honing in on building that practice um what i do is i meditate for an hour in the morning um and i try to you know tell myself these these uh positive things as well uh even if you know it's hard for me i mean i'm to be transparent today i'm not having the best day but having this conversation with you all is definitely lifting my mood. Um, like I said, I feel a lot of mental distortion happening in the world. Mm. And I woke up this morning like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, I'm going to sound like your cat wants the sound right now. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I get to speak with this beautiful, amazing woman uh, who, you know, I, I, I guess that's another piece of uh, feedback I would give folks. Try to connect with folks who who help uh, that part of you resonate and can amplify yes. that energy within you instead of, you know, it's so easy to dive into to like, you know, the, the negative uh, self-talk that other folks are giving to themselves and it, you know, has this trickle effect on you. So yes, I'm, I don't want to take the mic too much for me, but I'm, I hope that answered your question. That I you gave love me, that. I actually love that. And you actually made a point there as well that I like really want to like uh, focus on for a second, which is like, you know, if you don't have the confidence, go find someone that does, you know, like make friends with people that are like, like, you, have you ever had that friend that just like talks you up no matter what you're doing? They're like your hype man. They're always in your corner. Like you can't not believe in yourself when that friend is there, like talking in your ear. Right. Which I think is really important. You got to have people like that in your life. And if you don't feel that you're like connected one-on-one -on -one with someone like that right now, like, if you join these forums, right? Like this kind of conversation, like every single person who's on here, like I will be your hype man, <laughs> you know? Like, like you need that talk and you need that person to connect with you. You're like, hey, I'm having a really rubbish day. I just like need someone to tell me how awesome I am. Like hundred percent, I would do that for you. So connect with me on LinkedIn after this. And you know, if, you, if you're having a bad day, send me a message and I'll send you a voice note. But I think it's really important to like, you know, have those people in your corner. The last thing that I'll say on this before we move on is something that really helps me. And this might not help other people. Um, so I'm, I'm conscious of that. If this doesn't help you, feel free to let go of it completely. Um, I love to remember how insignificant I am like in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of the universe. And at the same time, how totally impossible it is that I'm exi I exist on the planet in this moment. Um, there's an amazing video that I'm just gonna drop the link for in the chat. Um, I think it's called, What Are the Chances? And it's like, what the actual statistical chances of you, specifically you being alive on this planet are. And when you really settle into that realization that in fact, it's impossible that you exist and yet you still do. This is part of kind of the whole title of, of today's session, right? It's like, how could you not? Like, 
you are an absolute miracle alive on this planet. By that same token, there are some really awful people who happen to be a miracle alive on this planet. But every day it's our choice how we show up and what we do with this energy, right? So I think it's really important that for you, like the person who asked this question, do you really, like how do you really want to exist on this planet in this one lifetime that you have? And how do you, like, how would you talk to your best friend? How would you talk to your sister, to your brother, you know, to your loved one and turn that advice back in on yourself, right? Like when I've been in my darkest moments, when I'm having the most terrible day and there's that Kathleen version in my head who just is awful and nasty and spiteful and she just wants to beat me down for all the things that I'm not, I imagine that my sister is having that day. Oh, I get a bit teary <laughs> because like I could never speak to her that way. So how would I speak to someone that I really, really, really love? And that's that changes everything for me. Like you can see the emotion, right? It's like there's no way that you would speak to someone you love that way. So change it, right? And know that like you're creating the moment that you have on the planet right now. So that's what I would say. Absolutely. To that. Yes. I'm throwing digital confetti right now. <laughs> if you can't see it, <laughs> Zoom needs to get that uh, featured, throwing digital confetti and then, you know, pay me for it because <laughs> I'm bringing it. <laughs> um, okay. So, patent it. Yes. Um, Tanya writes, I love to leave love notes to myself. That's beautiful as well. And, and then I see that Kathleen has uh, dropped the link there uh, for you all to look at that YouTube video. So, thank you for that. Thank you for also being vulnerable. I mean, that's definitely a way that we can all just take things a little lighter um, and just, you know, respect ourselves also a little more. If you've joined previous chats uh, where I've hosted, you know that I love speaking about emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence. And that example that you gave there, Kathleen, really, you know, shines through uh, with that philosophy. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Would you talk to them like that? If so, what does that say about you? Do you want someone speaking to you about, you know, like that in that way? So, you know, let's all try to practice a little more emotional intelligence this year, please. All right, let's move on to this next question here. How can we help those around us that are constantly self-sabotaging themselves? Is there any way in which we can empower them? Mm, that's a great question. And a really tough one as well, uh, because when someone is self-sabotaging, they've, oh, this is, it's so painful to say, but they've chosen to be in that place, right? Which is like so tough, but like literally the word self-sabotaging is like, it says that, right? Like I'm self-sabotaging, I'm doing this to myself. And often when you're in that spot, there's a reason why you're in that spot. Um, you know, there's been a trigger moment or there's something that has someone believing that it's the only way to do things. And often there's not a lot you can do besides showing up, right? And only showing up within a boundary that you set that feels healthy for yourself. Like don't, don't continue showing up for someone self-sabotaging if you don't have the energy for it, because then you're going to burn yourself out. And then with an empty cup, there's no way to fill someone else's up again, right? In terms of empowering someone, my best advice and the thing that I've stuck to is to be an example as much as possible and just tell them that you're there if they need them, if they need you. <laughs> because like you can't continuously push either, right? Like I, I have two younger siblings, so I literally am the big sister, which is why I use that analogy. Um, and there have been times where I just wanted to like lift them out of what they were going through. And it was this like battle that I had to go through within myself where I'm like, oh, I don't actually have control over their circumstance. I don't actually have control over their mindset. And the only way that they're gonna learn 
is by going through this, right? Um, and if I if they if I had resources to give, I couldn't just give them the resources. I had to ask them, like, would you like me to send you resources? Like, can I help you? Can I connect you with someone? Um, because as well, if you push too hard on someone that's in a space where they're not ready, they they will back away as well, right? So I think if you really care about someone and they're self-sabotaging, like at some point, if you feel it's the right moment and feel this out, you know, like have an intervention potentially with other people that also love them, um, depending on what kind of self-sabotage this is. But for the most part, showing up, being an example and being open as much as possible is really all you can do. Beautifully put. And we often talk about the workplace here at Power to Fly. So I'd love for you to bring this question uh, to a workplace scenario. So what do you do when someone on your team or, you know, a manager or even, the, you know, let's go as high as a CEO is self, self-sabotaging? Um, how do you call that out? How do you empower them? Do you mm. leave? What, do you, what would you recommend in that situation? Yeah. Um, in terms of as a leader, when I see someone self-sabotaging, I have an intervention, right? Well, I say, look, look, I'd love to just get you on a call and like have a chat about what's been going on recently. I can see your, you know, I can see X, Y, and Z has been happening. Like, I'd love for you to tell me a bit more about what's going on. Um, I think, I think in, I, I very much treat my workplace like my family. Part of that probably has to do with being the CEO's daughter, but like my team, like I show up to listen first, right. As a leader, which I think is really important in all leadership, um, whether at home, whether in the workplace, whether in, on the global stage, it's really important to show up and listen. I say, as I sit here talking, um, but <laughs> just some self-awareness. Um, but, you know, and I think like, as you move higher up, right. Or you might say, okay, well, my, I believe my manager is self-sabotaging. You still are in your, in your right and in your wheelhouse to show up and have a conversation. I've had one of the, one of the people I manage say, Hey, I'd love to have a chat. It looks like you're overloaded and I want to see how I can support you. And I was like, Whoa, you're kidding me. Right. Like, like that was the nicest way to tell me that I'm totally sabotaging myself and this entire team. Right. Because I'm taking on way too much work from someone else and I can be delegating that better. Right. So I think just being mindful, being honest and showing up from a place of like service and like, I want to help you <laughs> is a really good way to, to be able to address this kind of thing. Um, and show up to listen, right? Like ask the questions, don't go in telling them how they're self-sabotaging, go in and be curious about what's really going on for someone. And I think that that really, you know, can take the conversation and the trust as well in the relationship to the next level. Absolutely. And not to stay on this question for too much longer, but I love how you were given that uh, feedback from, you know, the people that you manage. So can you, again, just give one little uh, food for piece of food for thought for folks who are managers who might have that same situation happen? Usually like the ego lights up in that moment. Like, like who are you to tell me? You know, I'm new man. Uh, yeah. how, do you, how can someone who is in a leadership role who gets that feedback from someone that they're managing accept it with grace? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There's an amazing graph. Um, oh man, I wish I could like I had a, if I had a whiteboard, I'd draw it for you right now. But there's this amazing graph that shows, like you know, when you feel yourself going to ego, and whether that's where where it's like defensive ego, or you've just won something, or something amazing has happened, and instead of ego, you go straight to humility, and instead of you know like the downward part of the graph is like, oh, I'm going towards upset. I'm angry about something. Like something has like made me, you know, it's hurt me in some way. If instead of going to upset, you can go to acceptance 
you find in the space between humility and acceptance, like all things are possible, grace exists, like, you know, that's where change can come from. If you get stuck in ego or upset at any point, not a lot's going to happen, right? Um, I think in terms of letting go of the ego side of it, like, if you really believe, just imagine for a moment believing that everyone who you interact with is there in complete service of you in your whole life, right? Whether it's like an awful internet troll, a terrible president, a dictator, you know, uh, your neighbor next door who just like scowls at you in the morning, <laughs> whoever it is, everyone who exists on the planet is 100% in service to you and your learning. What can you do with that, right? And I think in a team, uh, like literally, quite literally, most people are there in service of you, right? There's like a written agreement of it. <laughs> but but in, in your whole life, if you adopt that mindset, I guarantee you a lot more interesting things are going to come of interactions that you have because there's so much potential that we have for learning um, and so much potential that we have for grace and to show up for other people in that way as well. Beautiful. I love that. Again, digital confetti. Uh, I want to just hold for a light pause to see if someone would like to hop off of mute. I know that Kathleen is dropping a lot of gems right now. So um, I'll hold for a light pause because I know some, some folks might need it. Feel free to use this, these couple seconds to hop off of mute and voice your, your question or your reflection. All right, no worries. I'll move on to the next question. And we have uh, just about half an hour left. So if you do want to share something, go ahead and write in the chat box or you can hop off of mute. But I do like to allow for time, you know, to for, to, for folks to jump off of mute if they do need that, that uh, light pause. All right, so let's move on to this question here. My family always told me I wasn't meant for great things. I can't help but feel the pressure to live up to this. How can we get these comments out of our system and start to be more proud of what we've accomplished? <laughs> Mm, what a good question. So I've mentioned a couple of times now that I'm the, I'm the daughter of the CEO, right? Um, <laughs> I grew up being told that I was going to change the world. And then I was crippled <laughs> by the responsibility of changing the world. Uh, and that's really real. Like, I think you're, when you have, like, even your family telling you that you're meant for great things is an expectation that they're placing on you, right? Like it's a it's a decision they're making on your behalf that you then have to handle in whatever way. I don't believe at any point that we're responsible for living up to someone's expectations. Like truly, like you are you are autonomous, you are capable of making your own decisions. Um, and in all honesty, your family is probably going to be proud of you regardless of what you do. But what I hear in this question is, I feel the pressure, you know, how can we be proud of what we've accomplished? Um, and I think in that, uh, what I hear is a little tinge of like imposter syndrome too, which I think we all suffer from, right? Like, who am I to be doing this? Right? Like, like why, why have I been given this responsibility? Like, no, like I'm not as good as X, Y, and Z person. Like there's no way that I'm qualified for this. Um, and I think the only way to move through that, honestly, what I do is I actually have like times in the year. Like I, I do it like four times a year, like every quarter I do like a planning session, but I also do like a review of what has happened and I give myself kudos. I just like write a page of all the things I'm so proud of myself for because it's important, right? Like no one else, well, that's not true. Hopefully if you have an amazing manager, they'll also tell you this. 
Um, but there are going to be cases that you work in companies or you work for yourself or you're, you're you know, not working right now, but you're going to be, or you've got this project and you got to do it yourself, right? Like you have to like be your own manager, take the time to give yourself a quarterly review. Uh, I do it every quarter. Uh, and every year I give myself a year review as well. And my own annual review where I'm like, how did Kathleen do, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think like the only way to, to start being proud of what you've accomplished is to give yourself space to be proud of what you've accomplished. Like, it's not something that we like walk around thinking about all the time. And unless I think this is the case in all areas, right? Whenever you have something that you want to think about, um, that you want to put time into understanding better, you have to set time to do that. You have to make a decision about when you're going to do that and professionally like set a rhythm you know, um, do it quarterly, do it monthly, do it weekly. You know, I have weekly reviews too that I do. And it's always like, okay, what did I get done? What do I need to do next? Like, what would I have done differently? What am I really proud of? And going through kind of this, this structured format that I just do every time. So I don't have to think about it. Let's me look back and be proud on things. And I think that's super important in terms of not feeling the pressure from your family. That's a lifelong quest my dear. Um, I think, I think anyone who's got involved families likely, you know, feels the same way, you know, or like overly involved families feels the same way. Um, you are meant for great things, but you're meant for the great things that you decide on, right? Like you're, you don't have to do the great things someone else has decided on. Um, trying to think of a good analogy, but I don't know, like, I don't think like Beyonce lived up to other people's expectations of her, right? She set her own expectations. I think her family was a bit involved, but she for sure was like, I'm going to do this, you know? Uh, you're, you don't have to be Beyonce also, not to set another comparison. And the main thing is, even as I made a comparison, don't sit there comparing yourself. Like you you have your own unique journey and your unique, um, unique story that you get to tell. So, you know, decide what that is and work towards it and set yourself regular reflection points where you can, you know, take time being the actor where you're acting out your movie, take time being, you know, the director who actually is directing the movie so that you can decide what you want to do. And also take some time being the audience and just like enjoy it, right? Like have fun and, and know that you're doing the right thing. Life is a play and the world is a stage as we can see very clearly in a lot of the media. So why not direct your own, you know, homemade movie and be your lead actor or actress? I love yes. that. Um, I would also love for you to crack open this because uh, I love speaking about language and, and because you are a woman of the world, um, I would love to hear your perspective on this. So, you know, oftentimes we are taught the A side of history, right? The folks that won. And oftentimes that comes from, you know, one kind of mindset or a couple, but that doesn't speak to, you know, a diverse group of folks. Uh, with that said, the word success usually comes from, you know, the way that we are taught. I mean, you obviously you went to the green school, so I know you have a different <laughs> opinion on this, and I, that's why I would love to hear. But uh, what I also hear from this question is, you know, how can we redefine success so that we don't live up to other people's version of what success means for them? And then, you know, that making us feel like imposter syndrome and all these other things that leads us down, you know, the narrow hole of judgment, self, self-judgment and all that stuff. Um, can you speak a little bit about how we can redefine success and not just stay stuck in a box. Yeah. I love, I love that question. Um, yeah. Right. Like what you're saying, you know, history was written by a very specific type of person by that same definition, like success has been defined by those who speak the loudest. Uh, and if you look 
actually at what success has looked like through the ages like whoops uh it used to just be like keeping my family alive you know like there are bears stay alive one more week right like it's over history and that's really downplaying it i'm sure it was a lot more extreme than that but you know at every point in history there's been a different definition of success the perhaps wonderful and also terrifying thing about the current moment in history is all things are now possible. <laughs> you have access to the internet. You have access. Every, every single person is like four clicks away from you. Like if you wanted to send an email to freaking like Obama, you could. Would he see it? Maybe not. But like, you know, you could literally get in contact with anyone. If you have an idol of some sort somewhere, you know, you could reach out to them or their PR team, right? Uh, and maybe they're not famous. Maybe it's, you know, someone who does have immediate access. Uh, I think the the question around redefining success, the own, did you just bite me? That's so unnecessary. Excuse me. Um, so <laughs> sorry about the cat drama. Um, it, like the only way to redefine success is to redefine it. That's so straightforward. But like the, you know, you have to take the time to really understand. Each person has to understand what success means to them. And, the, and you can communicate that to the people you love. Like if you told the people you love, like I am most excited about renovating like a castle in the south of France and I'm going to you know take the next 10 years of my life to do that and it's going to bring me all the joy in the world and I'll like send you some wine sometime I'm sure your family would be stoked you know like I think there's there's so many li lives we could live now um that you also don't have to define success just based on like if I think as humans we're social beings so the mode of comparison can be really helpful if there are types of success that you think you would be interested in, go find someone who has that right now, right? Like do some Googling, speak to some people that you know in the community that's relevant to what you're interested in. If it's building eco homes, go find the eco village communities online, speak to some people, find out what they've done, find a model of success that really, like for me, like what success looks like is happiness um, and happiness and security. I think those are the two things, right? Like I want to be able to be thrilled about whatever I'm doing. And I want the security and safety to know that I'm going to be okay. You know, financial security, good health, uh, familial security in terms of like knowing that they're healthy. But I also like, I find people that I admire regularly that challenge my idea of success. So I can say, okay, well, actually, I really like what that person's doing. I'm going to adopt a little bit of that, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm watching someone else's journey. I like some of that, but not comparing, not to say I don't have that, but rather to look for people who inspire me because I'm the kind of person that also wants to be growing all the time. Um, and I, so I think for everyone, like, you have an opportunity to define success. You're not obligated. You're not obligated to do anything, but the world is your oyster right now, like quite literally in many cases. So find a version of success that looks good to you and work towards that, you know? Uh, I don't think that there's a homogenous version of success anymore. I don't think that there are, you know, I don't know if anyone on this call wants to be Elon Musk, but like there's only one Elon Musk. There's also only one of each of you. So create the version of success that really excites you, that makes you want to be alive and, and create your story as well, you know? Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. And I just, I would love to uh, ask our live callers uh, how you define success. So if you all can just yeah. write that in the chat box and I'll, I'll flag that to our guest speaker um, as I move on to this next question. So if you're on the call, go ahead and write in the chat box how you define success. And if you've been on another chat where I've asked you that before, 
it changes as Kathleen said, it can change, you know, any day. So maybe it's changed today. Would love to hear from you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to this next question here. I like my career, but sometimes doubt if it's the right path for me. How can we identify our passions and what would you say ambition looks like? Ooh. So good. Such a good question. Um, I, I'm loving all these questions. I also read all of them before I got on the call. So I was just like really jazzed to get to all of them. Um, mm. There's a lie that I think we've been told. Uh, and the lie that I think we've been told is that we have one passion and purpose on this planet and we're going to find it and it's going to solve all of our problems. And we're going to do that for the rest of our lives. And that's the key to happiness. Um, and I believe we are multi-passionate, multi-faceted, like multi, multi, multi beings, right? Like there's not, um, I think ambition looks a lot like curiosity. I think ambition is deciding that there's always, there's more, you know, ambition is striving. It's reaching, right? There's a lot of like visuals I have for this, you know, it's like, um, I was trying to think of like a mon monkey reaching for a branch, but what I actually got is that Sistine Chapel painting, you know, I think it's like Michael and God or whatever, and they're reaching for each other, but that like reaching motion, you know, that's ambition. Um, but I also think ambition is knowing your, your boundaries and your standards. Uh, and so I think like there's a couple of pieces in this question. And the first thing I would say is before even going to like, you know, your, your passions, like start with what's your boundaries, you know, what, what are you doing? How, what are your standards for your own life? You know, like my standard for my life is I want to live in a city, right? That's a standard I set, which means if there are opportunities to not live in a city, I'm deciding to live in a city because that's, that's what I'm choosing. And as you set your standards, the universe is going to throw challenges at you to say, are you sure that's what you want? What about this other thing, <laughs> you know? And then you have to stand by your boundaries and your standards that you set for yourself in your life um, to solidify them. In terms of your passions, you can have lots of them. That's the amazing thing. And the only way to find your passions is to go out with curiosity. So there's a number of amazing tests online. Like I know we have one on Genius U, which is the passion test, which quite literally like gives you a list of different values and you then compare one another. And it's just an assessment to do that. There's hundreds of assessments like that online. So if you're like, you know what, I'm committed to finding some things I'm passionate about. I encourage you to just go and treat it like a research project, right? Like you're now the director of your movie. You're deciding what the character that is you is passionate about. So you're going to go and do a bunch of research. Um, one of the things that I really like to do, again, I'm very people focused. So I'll go and find a bunch of people that really inspire me because I'm passionate about people first. And I know that even just because of the way that I am around folks, right? And I'm very extroverted, as you can probably tell. So I go and I find people that excite me and I'm like, what are they doing? You know, like, what are some things that are happening there? Or if I find one thing that I like, I keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper. I recently discovered discovered virtual reality. <laughs> so now I've, I've, I've discovered in the last two weeks that I'm super stoked about art in virtual reality. What a weird thing. Like I wouldn't have thought that three weeks ago, right? But I found this, there was this twinkle of curiosity and I chased it and I chased it and I chased it. So I think it's like this, this, this practice again of curiosity and moving down it and know that like your career isn't forever. And also it's okay that you're not certain right now. So um, one of the things that I like to imagine for myself is that there's like multiple lifetimes I'm going to live in this one lifetime. Like one day I'm going to own a vineyard and I'm going to design wine labels, which I screen print onto uh, paper. So there's like, I like want to like print make 
labels for wine bottles. Like I work in tech, you know, but I don't have to do one or the other. I'll get to the other one, but I've put that idea on a shelf for now. So like, you can also like dream about other lifetimes and shelve them and come back to them. They're going to be a part of what you do anyway. Um, but also like, you know, you can still be in your career and do what you do and go and discover a bunch of other stuff and just let those threads take you where they will. I think you'll learn a lot about yourself and you may learn that there's another direction you want to go in as well, which is totally okay. Like you can like lots of different things um, and do new stuff and change your career at any age. At I rest, I stand by that statement at any age. I have seen people at like 60 who have decided they're coming, you know, they're not going into retirement, they're starting another business or they're joining a company or whatever, you know, like you can, you can do stuff and, and change your mind at any point in time. There's no one in charge but you. I love that. I love that so much. Very Virgo sounding uh, of you. We don't have to get into Zodiac right now, but I love that. Actually, my mind cancer. Coach, <laughs> yes. Bring, bring the community together, cancer vibes. Um, I, my mindset coach that like basically saved my life during COVID because I met with her every week. Otherwise, I would have probably just been I don't know, hiking up a mountain and living there by myself and the crazy mountain woman here in Patagonia. But um, she's like, you know, you are a creative inferno and, and just put your ideas in the idea, in I, an idea chest. Like an, and so I made a jar <laughs> and any idea I had, like any of the passions that came to mind, I put it in the idea jar. She's like, you know, like you said, shelve it and, and bring it, bring it up, you know, maybe tomorrow or maybe next year and just like keep them stored and don't think that, you know, you can't uh, pursue an idea or a passion that comes to you because, you know, life is dynamic and we are changing all the time. So thank you for flagging that. Uh, I do want to mention some definitions here that people have dropped in the chat box of success. So Camilla writes, success to me is working on projects I love, having a home with the love of my life, being financially free, doing the things I love to do, like reading, traveling, writing, helping people, and so on. Uh, and Tanya writes, success to me is feeling good and fulfilled, staying in touch with what is important for me. It could come in many, many, many shapes, I agree. Uh, and Rosalind writes, I also make goals for myself every year, and every time I accomplish something that will take me closer to my goal, I relish in it. Uh, Kathleen, do you want to comment on any of those? Oh my god, I love, I love all of them. And like the... I'm really grateful. My, my dad got us into this tradition like seven or eight or nine years ago, where every year we sit down and we make a dream board, which is just a vision board. Right. But we, we write down like, what are all our dreams for the year that we want to have happen? And we don't, we never limit ourselves of what it could be. Right. Um, I think for like five years in a row, I've written like scuba diving with whales and I haven't done it yet, but I know I'm going to do it because it's sure, it's sure as hell on that dream board. And so I'm going to get to it, you know? Um, but every year at the end of the year, we come back and somehow like we've most of mostly forgotten what was on there, but like 90% of the dreams have, have happened. And it's just like, whoa, like what a trip to be able to look back and do that. And I think goal setting a lot more pragmatic than a dream board. I think you should still make a vision board or whatever at the beginning of every year. I think it's just a great practice and then put it somewhere you see it. Don't do what we did with the dream board and abandon it. I've actually made a vision. I made it on Canva. So it looks semi-professional. So everyone go use Canva and make a vision board, but like I have it in front of me and I can see what success looks like to me this year. I I can see it like, oh, that's it. I have to do that. That's so clear. I'm going to be totally successful this year. Right. Um, So being able to actually see, like, I love these definitions and the more tangible you can make them, like the more likely you are to achieve them. Because if you set yourself really clear parameters, these are the 10 things that mean I'm going to be successful this year. 
you know exactly what you're working towards. There's no ifs, there's no buts, there's no whens. It's like, you're going to do it because you've set yourself the parameters. So I think that's super important and really awesome, uh, Rosalind, that you put that in there. I think that that's really like a key point, right? As long as we live in these like vague definitions of things, we're never going to be what we want to be, right? Like it's really important that we are clear with ourselves so that we know what we're doing. Like no one else is going to tell us what to do. We have to tell ourselves what to do. <laughs> which is really important. And to your point, Mariella, about your like, uh, your ideas jar, which I love, like there's this other piece of it, which is you can do everything, but you don't have to do everything right now, <laughs> which is something I tell myself all the time. Cause I'm like, can I just take on one more thing? Maybe just one more project. What if I started that business like right now? Um, but there's a, there's a lot about, uh, it's this quote that I'm kind of living by this decade, which is, uh, people underestimate Oh, overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So knowing that you have time and the point of legacy, which is one of the, the titles of, of today's session is really like planting a garden that you're not necessarily going to be around to see. Uh, and I think that that's a really important piece of all of this as well Is like, you are here right now. So do the things that you love and that you're excited about and also know that you won't be here one day. And so do the things that you love and that you're excited about and help to create a garden for the future generations that you won't be around to see. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. I do give my jazz hands on that one for sure. For sure. Um, being mindful and practicing emotional intelligence again, love, love that you keep bringing that, uh, those, those big philosophies up, uh, during this call. So I just want to let everyone know we've got about 10 minutes left. So if you haven't had a chance to speak your voice, uh, speak your voice, raise your voice, share your voice, sing your voice, whatever, however you want to share your voice in this time. Now's your uh, time to shine. You can also write in the chat box as well. Um, in the meantime, I'll move on to this next question here, but feel free to write in the chat box or hop off mute uh, as we do have about nine minutes left here. So Kathleen, how do you stay positive in your professional and personal projects or know when to call it quits? Oof. Yeah, this, this really ties into that, that, like, that point I made about standards, right? And boundaries. I have to check in with myself a lot about this because uh, as you heard, I also like to take on a lot of things, which means um, quitting is something I've had to become very good at, which I it still doesn't sit right with me, right? Like I think we're taught like, don't quit, like winners don't quit, like don't quit stuff. I don't know. There's a bunch of sayings around it that I can't eloquently bring up, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like we're not told that we, we can give ourselves space to, to say no especially as women. Don't even get me started. Anyway, so I actually got on a call today with a good friend and she goes, are you taking on more projects again? And I was like, oh, maybe a little bit. She's like, I'm going to teach you this word. And she had me, she coached me through the process. This friend of mine who has the same problem I do, which is probably why she was so good at coaching me through it. She goes, no, <laughs> say it with me. No. <laughs> so again, have people around you that help you set boundaries and keep you accountable. Um, but staying positive, I'm not, I am right now, but I'm not all the time. Um, I'm not all the time. And I, and there are really tough days today. I had six back-to-back, -back, uh, I had six hours of back-to-back -back calls from seven o'clock this morning. Uh, and we were dealing with a massive data breach. And it was painful and it sucked. 
And I did not enjoy being on any of those calls. I hate waking up at 6 (laughs) a.m. I was not positive, but I was positive, right? Like I wasn't feeling positive, but I had to show up for my team because I am the leader. And so I think there's an element of this, which is who are you showing up for? If you can't show up and be positive for yourself, show up and be positive for someone else, whether that is someone you work with, whether that is someone you live with. Um, And you don't have to be 100% positive. We are living in a really challenging time. And it is okay for you to not be okay. We are not okay. <laughs> like no one you, is really. Sorry, okay can you right say now. that? Can you say that again? <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah. the echo effect. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, listen to this for a second. Everyone, pay very close attention. We are living in an unprecedented, challenging time, and it is okay if you are not okay. Right? There's no way that we're all going to be positive. All I think, even like not in the middle of like a global pandemic, unlike we've seen since what 1912. I don't remember when Spanish flu happened, but like we didn't have the internet then, and now you get not just your bad news, but the whole world's bad news all at once on your mobile phone first thing when you wake up in the morning. Right? It's like it's not good. Like you're not. We were not built (laughs) to handle this much negativity in a day. Um, So. First of all, know that it's okay not to be okay. And in terms of like staying professional, for me, I do. I find out who I'm showing up for. Um, And so I, it's not a facade. Like I tell my team if I'm having a hard day, uh, they know how they can support me because I've learned how to tell them what I need. This is really important. Like learn when you're really not okay, check in like with yourself, take a moment, you know, like I'll go, I get away from my computer and I sit on the couch and I'm like, okay, I'm not okay right now. Like, what do I really need? First of all, I need a cup of tea because at the heart of it all, I am British. (laughs) And so I ask, you know, and I know to go out and I've had this conversation with my wonderful boyfriend before where I've said like, look on, on bad days, like I need your help and this is what I need. Uh, And so he knows what to expect. But if I'm really having a rubbish day, I ask him to make me a cup of tea. Sure enough, after that, I'm feeling quite a lot better already. Um, And I think in like personal and professional projects, the combination of knowing what you need, knowing how to set your boundaries, knowing to step away and check in with yourself when you're not having an okay time, the other side of it is saying no to stuff. I'm not... I haven't always been good at it, but there are times now where I feel like really excited about saying no to things. (laughs) So it's kind of like a little like guilty pleasure. You get kind of a rush when you're like, actually, I'm not going to come to dinner with you tonight. Like I need a rest, you know, actually, like I, I can't take on that, that thing that you need me to do right now because I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Um, I'm really, really honest. I'm like an open book now with people. Uh, I used to feel like it wasn't appropriate professionally to do that. I think that's another lie we've been told. I think it's really, really, really important that with people you work with, like, just be honest, right? Like, like show up, be vulnerable. Other people have bad days too. And if you can show up and be an example of how to handle it, other people will adopt that as well. And call it quits when it feels right. That's so vague, right? I think like you have to define what your version of success is. You have to define your standards and boundaries. That's how you're going to know when to call it quits. Like I, because I have my goals, if I'm doing a project or if I, if someone proposes to me a project that is not in line with my goals for the year or the month or the quarter, I know to say no, 
right? This is not aligned with what I'm trying to achieve this year. It's not aligned with what I'm trying to get done this month. And I don't have the capacity. There was a great flow chart. I think it was a meme that I saw <laughs> that was like, it's something like, you know, when my friend asks me, you know, if she should take on this project and basically all, all ends of the flow chart go to no, <laughs> you don't have time, which I think is important too, right? It's like, do you have capacity? Is it aligned with your goals? Um, those are really the questions to be asking yourself. So setting up your own process, getting clear on yourself, that, that'll help you really like know the answers to these questions. So I totally love everything you're saying. And I, I know we can dive into, we can do a whole nother hour on just, you know, how to set boundaries and say no. But let's say that someone right now uh, just needs uh, just a little piece of advice, like first step to do in order to say no, because, you know, after, after some time, it can build a lot of tension and a lot of stress and then our bodies start reacting. How, what can someone do right now to just like uh, relieve some of that pressure um, on, you know, should I say no, should I not say no, when deep down they know? That they want to say no if that makes sense mm. the other person will forgive you <laughs> well i know one of the things for me the biggest challenge with saying no is i'm like oh my god i'm gonna disappoint someone like someone's someone's not gonna be able to do the thing they wanted to do and it's all gonna be because of me like i'm letting someone down which is like, whoa, that's like a tough thing to sit with. And also every time I've ever said no to something pretty much without fail, people have understood. Like everyone else has stuff going on <laughs> uh, and like, it's okay. Also the other thing, like, so I started this podcast, right? And I was like, oh my God, I'm so bored. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and I was like, but I've put it on the internet and now everyone has seen it. And if I stop doing it, everyone's going to know that I quit, <laughs> you know, but I actually know literally no one cared. Um, I had a couple people who were like, what about your podcast? And I was like, yeah, I just didn't really feel like doing it right now. Like I'm not really in a good headspace for it. And they're like, okay, cool. Well, we loved it. So let us know when it's online again. It's <laughs> like, sick. Thanks. You know, people are supportive. And I think like, if, you know, if you're really sitting there and you're like, I know, I don't want to do this thing. And there's probably someone else involved. Cause if there wasn't someone else involved, you probably would have quit already. Like that's the right. Like you would have just said, okay, I'm done with this. Thank you. But because someone else's expectations, someone else's involvement, you don't want to disappoint them, you know, whatever, like just let it go. It's going to be okay. In two weeks, no one's going to remember anyway. Everyone is so self-concerned about whatever's going on in their own lives. And it's not the end of the world. You know, you have the opportunity. If you want to start the thing again, whatever the thing is, you can do it, right? If you want to, you know, change your mind a million times and settle on something, that's fine. But just like, and if you're really like still like, oh, I just don't know, like go for a walk. Remember that you are a human being not a human doing, you're hanging out, you've got other things that could be happening. And it's just not a big deal. I think we really like, it's like that moment when you're like standing on the diving board and you want to jump in and you know, it's only like a meter and a half high, or I don't know what that is in feet, sorry. <laughs> or, you know, but you're looking down and you're like, oh my God, it's so far. How am I ever going to jump? But there's water at the bottom and you know, you're going to be fine. And as soon as you get through that fear, you're going to be like, oh, that was great. I want to do it again. You know, that's what quitting things is like. Careful. It's like tattoos. You'll end up with them all over your body. But yeah, I think it's really important to, to, to just do it and realize it's not that big of a deal. And then, you know, take a look and learn at it, learn, learn at it, learn from it. 
what, like, why did you quit? Like, was it that you were overwhelmed? Okay. Where else can you cut down time? Right. Like use it as an opportunity for self-reflection as well. And then relish in the space that it creates, you know, because then you, you have all of a sudden you have more space to think, to breathe, to do something else, to release that anxiety. Wow. We could go on for another couple hours. I'm sure of it, sure. but we are at time right now. So, uh, Kathleen, I'd love for you to leave us with some food for thought and then let us know where we can find you uh, on the interwebs so that we can support the good work that you're doing. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, man. Some food for thought. Uh, was that not enough food for thought, guys? <laughs> Still hungry? I have more. Um, no. <laughs> I think, look, like at the end of the day, uh, and I'm going to drop some links in the chat, and they're horribly formatted because I've pulled them from Notion. So don't don't judge me. There's like triple links on all of them, but I put well, some. And I, Kathleen, I just want to say too, everyone will get a rewatch email. So you can drop as many links there and we'll Beautiful. send it to everyone. Okay. But no as at, like, so you can find me on the internet if you want to hear me talk about things more elsewhere. I talk a lot. And so there's information online, but in terms of like what to walk away with the sense that I've really got from the questions and from kind of like the energy behind all the questions was a lot about like, kind of the same energy that I feel often, which is like, how, like, what am I doing? What am I going to do next? Like, what do I want? How do I know what I want? Like what, and those aren't the questions that were asked, but those are the questions beneath the questions. Right. And so I think for any questions I didn't get to, for any questions that are coming up now, like find out what the questions are beneath the questions uh, and know that it's all going to be okay. <laughs> We don't know what the answers are in our own lives, in the grand scheme of things, in the universe. Scientists are still trying to figure it out. No one really knows. Um, but you have this incredible opportunity in front of you right now uh, to exist, to be alive. I remember the moment when I realized what it actually looked like to change the world. And I was in San Francisco and I was walking down the street and there were uh, there are an inordinate, an unfair amount of homeless people. Uh, and I had just come from Bali and so I didn't know any better. And so I would talk to everyone <laughs> all the time. And I got home one day and I realized that changing the world had nothing to do with going out and inventing, you know, the next light bulb or the technology that was going to clean the oceans, though that all changed the world, changes the world as well. But changing the world is really like how we show up every day for the people around us how we conduct ourselves, how we have the opportunity each day to show up entirely ourselves in service of one other person. And it might just be saying hello, you know, to your neighbor. It might be, it might be, you know, offering a helping hand somewhere. It might be showing up online and giving someone some words of encouragement, but every day you get to do that. And if you just do one small thing each day, and you just show up as yourself, you are already changing the world. So there's no more pressure than that. So I just want to tell you all, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to me for so long. Mariella, thank you for being an amazing moderator. <laughs> I've so enjoyed this and I hope to see you all on future sessions with other amazing guests as well. Yes, thank you, Kathleen. And thank you everyone for joining us in this past hour. Um, let's find Kathleen online, listen to her chats and support the great work that she's doing. And remember to be kind to yourselves and to be kind to your neighbors. And let's, you know, let's start little by little. We can make the world a better place. Okay, send you all love. We'll see you on the next chat. Ciao, everyone. <laughs>